Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Wow, what an incredible time of worship. Oh, man, as, as the band was singing, Jesus paid it all. I could just almost go back and remember what it felt like to be lost, dead in my sins, and without hope. And I'm so thankful that he, the scripture says that, that we've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has risen church. So grateful uh, just to be able to gather this morning. And as I think about uh, churches all over this town, churches all over this nation and churches all over the world that gather today because there's a tomb in Jerusalem that's empty. And a throne in heaven that's occupied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is alive. You know, this week we gather on Resurrection Sunday. And I'm reminded that we gather in worship on Sunday morning because Jesus rose from the grave. The early church began to gather. They began to worship on the first day of the week because of the resurrection, because of the empty tomb. You know, we, we come this morning and, and the apostle Paul said it this way. He said that if Jesus did not rise from the grave, then our faith is worthless, that we are still in our sin. And he said, if we have hope in Christ only in this life, that we are to be pitied above all men. But I want you to know that the resurrection is true. And if the resurrection is true, the implications of that are incredible. They're immeasurable in our lives. We're in a series of messages called Against All Odds. And we come today recognizing that against all odds, Jesus rose from the tomb, that he rose from the grave. You know, we say the words against all odds, and it gives us this reminder, it's this picture of saying, you know, uh, as we look towards something in the future, the likelihood of this happening is very, very small. It's that kind of statement. It's that kind of, uh, of picture. What are the chances of something like that happening? Now, I like to uh, take you on journeys with me and my kids along the way. And uh, when my kids were little, we played all kinds of different things. One of the things that, uh, that I've tried to do through the years is find things in common with them, find things that we can do together. So there were seasons in my life that I didn't fish very much. And when my daughter Hope was little, I played with dolls. And then as they've gotten older, I've done kind of some different things. Uh, my daughter likes to run now. And so uh, just a few months back, I decided that I would train her a little bit. <laughs> and I want you to know something. Against all odds, I made it up that hill, right? I, I nearly died that day. Like, I'm just saying, it was close. And, and I, I came back to church. Sherry, I didn't know she was taking this picture. I'd have sucked in my belly and smiled. <laughs> if it was the last breath I had, I'd have done it. And, and, and it, it really was one of those moments, right? And so I came back to church, and, and some of the folks that had seen that post on Facebook said, hey, I really think you need to talk to the deacons about maybe taking one of those defibrillators you guys have home and just keeping it uh, on hand. And so... Uh, 
Yeah, well, Grant, he's grown up a lot over these years. And so now uh, we, we've started doing this uh, jujitsu, right? And we've got some young uh, folks. I see one of them uh, right here. I see another one in the back row that are, that are doing jujitsu. Now, they're in the class that's before mine. They're in the kids' class. I tried to let them get me to go to that one. They're like, no, you're too big. And so... Uh, so they put Grant and I were in the adult class, and, and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be fun. Like, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. After I've done it a few weeks, those submission holds aren't the things that scare me anymore. Like, my first day, we got in there, and, and they started doing this warm-up. And I'll show you a couple of the things that we did. So we, we're, we're doing our warm-up, and they, they start going around, and some of the guys that look like ninjas with the long beards, and they, and, and they just, like, squat down. They go, and they're on the ground, and then they're, like, up. And I'm like... It took me like 45 minutes to do that. I can't even uncross my legs in the time they did that. And I'm thinking, this is going to be real. And so they're up there and they're like, yeah, and, they, and they're doing this cross thing, you know, and they're doing, I'm like, this is back in my football days. I remember how to do that. And so I'm doing those kind of things, you know, and then, then they said, okay, we got to do some rolls. And I thought, I'm ready for some rolls. And <laughs> I like those fats rolls right now. I'm sorry. And so, and so I, I do that. At first it was forward roll. I said, this is going to be good. And I said, I got that. And so we did this forward roll, and, and I'm in the back because I don't know what's going on, you know. And then, and then they come up with this other challenge, and this is kind of the against all odds thing uh, in my life right now is a back roll. And so, so we, everybody's done. Yeah, and here I am. I'm not going to show you because, like, I go over, but I, I, don't, I don't go over. Like, I, I, I get kind of stuck, you know, in the back roll. And for those of you laughing, it ain't that funny. Um, like, on site that day, I'm... I'm a little embarrassed, you know, about some of that, and I'm, I'm trying to, to get over. Last week, we were running a little bit late, right? So we had to change, and I could hear them out there. I was like, ain't no way I'm coming out of this bathroom until that back roll's done. <laughs> I'm staying put. So against all odds, I'm going to make it over, right? And, and, and we serve a God, right, of the impossible. Now, now, now I'm not talking about, like, doing back rolls, because really just some you know, sit-ups and exercise is what I'm talking about there. But, but in the midst of this world, right, in the midst of, uh, of, of this brokenness, right, we serve a God where all things are possible, right? And we serve a God of the impossible, a God who takes an unlikely group of disciples, a bunch of ragtag guys that you would never pick, right, and uses them to shake the world with the gospel and the power of his spirit, a God who has overcome the grave, a God who specializes, by the way, in taking broken pieces. And man, when I was thinking about all, you know, when Jesus paid it all, it was my sin, And he specializes in taking broken pieces and making masterpieces and, and in the power of his spirit working to conform them to the image of his son. And against all odds, Jesus entered into the midst of brokenness. He was born of a virgin. And in that passage, we hear those words, with God, all things are possible, right? He was prophesied of old, the promised Messiah that would come. But the people were looking for a conquering king, right? They were looking for a military Messiah, one that would give them uh, a freedom from Roman oppression. They were looking for that. But what they found was a suffering servant who came and lived a sinless life and then died on a cruel cross in in my place. And in this moment, right, when we open up Matthew's gospel, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to take your copy of God's word and turn there, we gather in a moment where Jesus has been crucified. He has been placed in the tomb. His followers, his disciples, they have scattered. His followers are mourning. 
All hope seemed lost. And maybe you walk into this building today and you feel like that, right? In the midst of all the things that are going on, in the midst of just the brokenness of life, you may feel like all hope seemed lost. And today I want to invite you. And, and, and I believe through the word of God that we'll have an opportunity to look into the empty tomb and to be reminded that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is alive and well. Let's open up God's word together in Matthew chapter number 28, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to do an Easter miracle. We're going to preach through a whole chapter of the Bible in one day. Those of you that are guests, the people that are here all the time know what that means, right? Because kind of slow walking through the scriptures, but Matthew chapter number 28, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says this, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. Now, while they were on the way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the 11 disciples, they proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Against all odds, the tomb is empty. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful. Lord, that you've given us the gift of your word that in the power of your spirit, God, that we can look in this morning to the empty tomb. You invite us to come and see. And then you send us to go and tell. Father, I pray, Lord, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might allow us to experience resurrection power in this place today. Lord, that you might draw people in the power of your spirit to relationship with you, that we might see people pass from death to life. Lord, that against all odds, Lord, there may be some people that have walked in here today and said, you know what, I'm too far gone. And against all odds, I want you to know, God, in the power of your spirit, that you might reveal to them that you have paid it all. And that our response to your finished work on the cross
is to surrender in authority. Because God, you paid it all. And Lord, all to you we owe. So Lord, may we live in light of the grace that we see on the cross of Christ. Lord, may the resurrection remind us, Lord, that there is power to live in the midst of this broken world in your presence, Lord, with your strength, not fighting for victory, but fighting from victory that has already been won. Lord, have your will and way in every life, Lord, and let us leave this place different changed because of your word. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the combined accounts of the gospel, let us see that several women, including Mary Magdalene, go to this tomb, right? They go to complete the burial process. They go to anoint the body of Jesus this first Easter morning. And when they get there, they find an empty tomb. This stone that was set by the guards to uh, prevent and, and make sure that the body of Jesus would remain in the tomb, it becomes a seat for the angel to sit on and declare that victory had been won. What a moment. You know, I was talking to someone this morning and was coming in and they said, could you imagine just being there? That first resurrection morning. Can you imagine seeing the angel? The scripture says that, that his appearance was like lightning. I don't know how you described that, right? Can you imagine that moment, right? And the guards, they're like dead men. They're out cold, right? They, the, the, the fear that has been in, in that moment with them. And, and here in verse 5, the angel says to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. Right, the first thing we see in here, he says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. They are at this tomb. And I want to remind you this morning that they are at this tomb because our Savior had died a criminal's death. Our Savior had been crucified for our sin. In a book that I had been reading, Joby Martin was talking about the cross and he said some things that stuck with me as he described the crucifixion. And the first thing was that the crucifixion was public. And I want you to know that Jesus died in public. He died naked and he died a public sinner's death. Not only was this death public, but it was painful, right? Jesus had been nailed to a, a, a rugged cross, right? We read in the scriptures that he had been mocked, that he had been beaten, that he had gone through multiple trials, that he had uh, been from Pilate back to Herod, that even before that in the night, that he had uh, been to the high priest, that he had been in all these places, and at each place, Jesus suffered on our behalf. We read that when Pilate had sentenced him to crucifixion, right, that they had flogged him, right, that they had taken a, a cat of nine tails and they had beaten him, the scripture says that he was beaten so much that he was not recognizable to be human. Jesus had taken such a punishment on our behalf. We read in the scriptures that, a, that, that spikes had pierced his, his wrists and his feet, that he'd been nailed to a cross. That this cross was painful. Not only was it painful, but it was planned. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 53 that it pleased the Father to 
crushing. The cross was not an afterthought. There wasn't a moment where God looked and said, look at the brokenness of the world. What am I going to do? But the cross was planned. The scripture says that Jesus was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We read in Genesis 3.15 that the first mentioning of the gospel that in the immediately right in the midst of the fall, we read that there's going to be coming from the seed of a woman, a, 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 a snake crusher that would crush the serpent. And I want to remind you that when Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. Jesus was not finished, but Satan was defeated. This crucifixion, it was public, it was painful, it was planned. And I want you to understand, it was punishment for sin. The cross was punishment for sin. And, and you look and say, well, well, Jesus never sinned, right? And that's absolutely correct. Jesus lived a sinless life. He never sinned, right? And here he is on the cross taking the punishment for sin. And the fifth thing I want you to understand is that's because it was propitiation. That word propitiation, you're like, hey, that's a, a big word on a Sunday morning. And what I want you to remember about that word, it, it is a, a payment that satisfies. You know, when we sung uh, this morning, uh, we we said my, our debt has been paid. When Jesus cried out from the cross, he cried out from, uh, from the cross these words, it is finished. In the Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. And, and you could read uh, where in, in those times, right, they would, uh, when a debt had been paid in full, that there were places where they would stamp that word, tetelestai. It was a payment that it satisfied. In First John chapter number 4, it says this, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus paid a punishment for sins, but not his sin. He paid the punishment for our sin. And it was the wrath of God that was poured out on him. And it was a payment that satisfied our debt had been paid. Jesus had paid it all for sinners like me. Apostle Paul said, Jesus came into this world to save sinners in whom I am chief. What a savior. The sinless, spotless lamb of God, a perfect sacrifice, right? Everything had been pointing to him. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece of all the scriptures. Everything had been pointing to him, all the sacrificial system, everything, right? And here the sinless lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for sinners, dies a sinner's death and is placed in a borrowed tomb. And these ladies have come that Easter morning. And when they arrive, they find an empty tomb. Now I'm reminded that stone was not rolled away uh, to let Jesus out. But it was rolled away so those ladies and so his disciples could look in. And the angel said to them in verse 6, He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come and see the place where he is lying. And I want to invite you today, as we open the Word of God, as we read the Word of God, to come and see the place where he was lying. To, to take a look at the tomb today. Because against all odds, the risen Christ had overcome the grave. The risen Christ had overcome the grave. Verse 7, Scripture says this, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told, told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they ran to report it to his 
disciples. So, so they have experienced the empty tomb. And, and when we look into the empty tomb, what is our response to the empty tomb? What is our response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we see these ladies do is they believe the miracle, right? That is our response. They look and they believe the miracle. The, the, they had come to the tomb weary and hurting. They had come to the tomb with fear, right? They had come to the tomb in mourning over the loss of Jesus, but they left the tomb with great joy, right? They left the tomb and ran to report the good news that they had found to the, his disciples. They believed the miracle and we see this pattern, right? The angel says, don't fear. You don't have to be afraid. The angel says, don't fear. Come and see. Come and see. And then go and tell. We're going to see that pattern. And it's a pattern we can follow, right? These ladies, they've seen the empty tomb. But that's not all they saw. Verse 9 gives us this picture of one of the most incredible moments in all the scriptures. Because I want you to look and see who showed up, right? In verse 9, the scripture says this, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came, in, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And here's the truth that we can see when you get around the gospel story. When we begin to proclaim the good news of the gospel, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation. Right? When we begin to get around the gospel, Scripture says that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we get around this gospel story and we open the word of God and we proclaim the word of God and we tell the gospel story, what we find is Jesus showing up. That's what we see in those moments. And these ladies, they give us this picture of how we should respond. They recognize him as Lord. They recognize that this is the risen Christ. And we can learn so much from them, right? They respond in worship, right? They believe the miracle. And then when they see the risen Savior, they bow in worship. That's the response that we have. Reverent Worship is our response to the resurrection. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus gives them some instruction. He says, don't fear. He says, do not be afraid. Go and tell, right? He says, go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. They've seen the empty tomb. They've seen the risen Christ. And Jesus says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. And resurrection changes everything. We no longer have to be afraid of death. We no longer uh, have to be afraid of the thing that uh, gives us the most fear, right? The, 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 the fear of death because Jesus has proven what he said to Martha in John chapter 11, right after the, the death of her brother, Lazarus, Jesus said this in verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And in that good news, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, for followers of Jesus Christ, death is not the end. And we don't have to be afraid. Don't fear. We don't have to be afraid because the risen Christ has overcome the grave. Not only had Jesus overcome the grave, but we see in this passage, beginning in verse 11, that the risen Christ had overcome the rival's report. 
right? No sooner than these ladies were on their way. We read in verse 11 that the guard has finally woken up, right? And they go to the chief priests and they, they go to them to report all that has happened. Now, I'd love to have been there in that moment and just listened to them share the story, right, of what had happened in those moments. And they go and they report all that's happened. They, they share those things and the religious leaders, the chief priests, uh, the elders, they all get together and they say, listen, we've got to do something. And they gave big money to the soldiers. They said, here's what you tell them. Verse 13 records this message that they were to share. And then they were to share this, right? That his disciples came by night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. Now, this is ludicrous even in itself, right? These disciples that have scattered out of fear are now going to muster up some courage in the middle of the night to go take a body from these Roman uh, trained Roman soldiers after they've already seen what happened to Jesus, right? But, but what we see is that these guards for fear and for personal gain, right? They were willing to tell a lie. They were willing to, with this promise of protection, with this promise of prosperity, they were willing to share a false report. And verse 15 says that this story was spread widely among the Jews. And so we see a response that's a bit different. And there's two responses that we see to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is this believing of the miracle, right? And this bowing in worship that we see the ladies at the tomb, that we see later the disciples respond with. But then there's this rejection by the world. And what we see is that that the world rejects the gospel. The world rejects the resurrection. And, And here's what happens. They deny the resurrection. These chief priests, they deny the resurrection uh, because uh, the resurrection, see, it proved their sinfulness, right? The resurrection, if they acknowledged the resurrection, then they would have to acknowledge their sin. They're the ones, right, that desired and and, and nailed Jesus, right? They're the ones that that wanted Jesus crucified. They, uh, when, when people deny the resurrection, the reality is, is that they don't want to deal with their sin. But here's the truth, right? The women, they affirmed the resurrection. And here we are 2,000 years later worshiping the risen Lord, right? It's against all odds. The risen Christ has overcome the rival's report. That doesn't mean, though, the enemy has stopped spreading the lies, right? They are not the last ones that have found pleasure in sharing a false report. To this day, there are many that try to discredit the truth of the resurrection. And and here's the fact. It it is the most uh, verifiable, historically verifiable event in ancient history. There is nothing with more evidence in ancient history history, right? And there are people that would deny today the resurrection. There are people that would deny the deity of Christ. There are people uh, that would say, hey, listen, the story is not true. Jesus just swooned, right? There's a swoon theory that says, hey, Jesus really didn't die. He, he just passed out. And then when they wrapped him up and placed him in the tomb uh, during the cool and during the, the kind of moistness there that he just woke back up and then he unrolled himself and got out, right? These were trained uh, killers, right? This was, this was not even feasible to think about, right? And here, these places, right? They would say, some that would say that there was this mass hallucination that took place or, or that maybe they were at the wrong tomb. But here's the truth. The evidence of the resurrection is overwhelming. Those that had seen the risen Christ and those that wrote uh, these letters in the New Testament, those that wrote and told the gospels, right? They wrote these books and this is a compilation. The Bible is one book, but a compilation of many books. And these books, they were, they were written 
by eyewitnesses, right, in the time of other eyewitnesses, and they shared the story of the risen Christ. And these disciples, when you look at evidence, right, these disciples who had scattered out of fear, these disciples who were shaking in their boots after they had personally seen the risen Christ, no longer were they afraid. These same disciples were willing to give their lives for the spread of the gospel. Empowered by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they are preaching Jesus and they are threatened. They are thrown in prison, right? They are threatened and told to silence and to stop, but they kept on preaching. They said, listen, we can't help but speak those things that we have seen and heard because they believe the truth of the resurrection. Men are willing to die for a lie that they believe to be true. But no one is willing to die for a lie that they know is a lie. And under intense persecution, all it would have took would be for one of them to say, hey, listen, we, we, we took the body, we did this, all those kind of things. But these disciples, they had seen the risen Christ. The thing that they had feared most had lost its sting. And what we see is that many of them, tradition and history would tell us that, that they died a martyr's death. They died because of their proclamation of the gospel There's no doubt that all were willing to die for their faith. We read of those like Nathaniel who was flayed to death by a whip. We read of Andrew who was crucified on an X-shaped cross at Odessa. Peter who was denying Jesus is crucified upside down as part of the persecution by Nero. We could go disciple by disciple, right? You remember doubting Thomas, right? That's how we remember him by. But right, Jesus, can I remind you this morning that if you have doubts, Jesus can handle those things. He can handle your questions. The word of God will stand in the midst of those questions. Here's Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. He's killed by a spear in India. We could go on and on. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. We see by the testimony of these disciples and their willingness to die for the truth, right? That the risen Christ has overcome the grave. That the risen Christ has overcome the rival's report. And finally, and it's not the least thing that we see in this passage, that the risen Christ has overcome the world. So how do we respond to that, right? How do we respond to to the reality that Jesus has overcome the world? Like these ladies, right? We believe the miracle. We bow in worship and we be about telling and being on mission for the glory of God. We be continually on mission. Read verse 16 through 20 with me again. Verse 16 says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. Take yourself to this moment on this mountain near Galilee where the 11 disciples were gathered. This moment where, where they're given God's plan A, right? And I'm thinking if Jesus has risen from the grave, there's got to be a better idea than, than these guys uh, taking the gospel to the world, right? That this, These misfits that have been uh, shaking in their boots, this, these that have scattered, right? But this is God's plan A. And what we see is that there was no plan B. This was God's plan to take his love and forgiveness to a lost and dying world. And it is this moment 
This moment that is the reason, right, that we have heard the gospel, that we know the gospel. Jesus had overcome the grave, and he gives them their marching orders. Jesus declares to them, he says, listen, I have authority over heaven and earth, right? He says, I have authority over all things. And here's what we know about authority. Authority demands obedience. Authority requires obedience. This great task, right, this great challenge, this great commandment, this great commission that Jesus gives before he gives it, he says, all authority has been given to me. And here's the imperative. He says, listen, we love, I love the statement, right? Don't fear, come see. And we need to do that every day. We need, we need to be reminded every day of the gospel. We need to look into that empty tomb and to remember the, the, the wrath of God that was poured out on Christ for my sin, to remember the empty tomb that Jesus is alive. We need to come and see and we need to be reminded that we are to go and tell. But when we read this passage, the imperative in this passage is not go. That's what we think all the time. We say, you know what, our, our role then is to go. But, but the imperative in this passage, the, the, the piece that's there is that we go, that we make disciples. And there's this picture of as we are going. And so wherever you're at, in the workplace, in your school, in your, your, your family, in all these places that our job and that our uh, marching orders that Jesus has given is that we would make disciples. And these other words, right, that we go and that we baptize and that we teach to observe, these are the, the, the way that this happens. Jesus says, don't fear. Come see. Go tell. We're commanded, by the way. This is a commandment. We're commanded by his authority. We're commissioned as his ambassadors. Right? We are his representatives and that's why it's so important, right, as those who have been born again into the family of God, that we live our lives, that the love of Christ is displayed in our lives, that we, we are his representatives who wrote that we, uh, we are his ambassadors as if though he were making an appeal through us. We are commissioned as his ambassadors and we are courageous because of his promise. Look at the promise that he gave, right? The task was great. But the promise was even greater. How would they get their strength to overcome fear? How would they get their strength to, to do this task that Jesus has called them? Listen, this is what Jesus promised, that he would be with them. And our response is obedience and surrender. To join Jesus on mission with confidence and resurrection power. The scripture says that, that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. We go in confidence, not in our strength, but in his. He is present with us in this moment. He is present as we go. He has overcome and he is with us. Don't fear. Come see. Go tell. Margaret Sangster was the daughter of British minister W.E. Sangster and Sangster, the pastor, had began to notice some uneasiness in his throat. He found out that he had an incurable disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. His muscles would basically just continue to waste away gradually. His voice failed gradually. His throat would become uh, in a place where he was unable to swallow. When Sangster found out all these things, he 
gave himself fully to work in, in his British home missions that he was in. He, he thought, you know what, I can still ride. I can still make a difference. I can have more time for prayer. He said to God in his, in his journals, you can see, let me stay in the struggle, Lord. He pleaded. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but give me a regiment to lead. He wrote articles and books. He organized prayer sales. This was his heart. When people pitied him, he would say, I'm only in the kindergarten of suffering. He would say, listen, don't pity me. Gradually, his legs became useless. His voice went out completely, but he could still hold a pen. And he would shake as he would begin to write. And on Easter morning, just a few weeks before he died, he wrote a letter to his daughter. And in it, he said, it is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, he is risen. But it would be more terrible to wake up on Easter morning and to have a voice and not want to shout, he is risen. How will we respond to the resurrection today? Will we respond believing the miracle? Will we respond bowing in worship? Will we respond to the authority of Christ? And there's two lies, right, that people come and we hear the gospel, right? We hear the good news and we think, you know what? I'm, I, one of the lies the enemy wants us to believe is that we're good enough to where we don't need a savior, right? That somehow our good will outweigh our bad, that somehow we're a pretty good person. I want you to know uh, that the scripture would say that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight, right? And when I think about, listen, the very best that I am, right, is as filthy rags in his sight. Jesus, I'm so bad off that Jesus had to die in my place. And the other lie is that we're too far gone, that we've been too bad, that we've been too sinful. Could God ever love someone like me? Could God ever forgive me? Right, I'm reminded of Jesus on the cross. It's those that had crucified him. Jesus looked at it and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus cried out, it is finished. To tell us I paid in full. He died a substitutionary death in my place. He died a death in your place. The cross was painful. It was planned. It was propitiation, right? It was a payment that satisfied the wrath of God, the, the punishment that we deserved. And when Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. That word in the Greek, it's in the perfect tense. And what that means is it was an action that, that took place in the past, right? It was this past completed event of Christ's death on the cross. And it has ongoing, even permanent effects. And I want to remind you that if you're in Christ, if you've been born again into the family of God, your past is finished. The scripture says there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God judged sin on the cross and he died for every sin that we've ever committed. And the good news that we celebrate today is that Jesus did not stay dead. The stone has been removed. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And our response to that is we surrender to him as Lord. I've heard people say, you know, when I I made Jesus Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says that there's going to be a day, right? That every knee will bow and every tongue 
will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I want you to hear as we close this morning is you don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord of every person in him. But through the cross of Christ, he has made a way. Scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We surrender to him as Lord. We don't make him Lord. We surrender to the lordship of Christ. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But it will be too late. It will be too late for the, the atoning work of Christ on the cross to be, to be received. Right? To, to have the propitiation, right? Your sins paid for. So I want to ask you this morning, have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? Have you ever surrendered to him as Lord? Someone wants to ask you, why is it that you're able to go to heaven? A lot of times I hear people say, you know, I did this, I did that. I want to tell you the proper answer is that Jesus took all of my sin and all of my shame. And he died in my place on the cross of Calvary. And I believe I surrendered my life to him. And when I look to the cross, the finished work of the cross, it counted for me. Jesus died in my place. And I surrender to him as Lord. Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, not just with our head, we, we know a lot of things about the resurrection, not just knowing data about, you know, that, that we celebrate the resurrection on Easter, but believing with our heart. That's all of our being, right? Believing so much that we trust him with our lives. Our response to the authority of Christ, to the work of Christ, is surrender and obedience. Come and see. Don't be afraid. I don't know what you've walked in here with, the things that we're wearing on. Jesus says, don't fear. Come and see. Look into the empty tomb. Believe the miracle. Bow in worship and surrender. And then go tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do, we're going to worship. We're going to have an opportunity to stand and sing. We're going to have an opportunity to lift our voices and to declare, to proclaim the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And during that time, I want to encourage you to be obedient. I want to encourage you to respond like those ladies. Respond and surrender. Respond in worship. Respond by believing the miracle. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to invite you this morning. Listen, there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation. But the work has already been done. It is finished. Will you trust in that finished work of the cross? The scripture says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. Verse 13 says, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Listen, if there's anything else, if you say, you know what? Anything I did, right? When we say, why is it that I can go to heaven? It's through the finished work of the cross that Jesus paid my debt. And my response was simply surrender. That's salvation. We surrender to him as Lord. We believe the miracle. And we live the rest of our lives like those disciples as evidence of the miracle under the authority of Christ. Will you pray with me, Father? Lord, I pray that in these moments, Lord, if there's anyone here that has never trusted you, Lord, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might speak to them. Lord, that they might hear, Lord, in just the stillness of your voice, come and see. Don't be afraid. Come and look into the empty tomb. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the debt that I owed, but the debt that I couldn't pay for dying in my place. And Lord, I pray this morning, if if there's anyone that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would respond and surrender this morning, that that they would admit their need for a Savior, or that they would admit their sinfulness and their separation because of it, that they're spiritually dead apart from you, and that they would believe the truth of the gospel, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a substitutionary sacrifice in our place, that they would look to the cross and they'd say, when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me, and I believe. And this morning, I confess that Jesus is Lord. My response is surrender. Lord, may you give us courage to kneel, to pray. God, for believers in this room, may we leave, Lord, with courage different than we came in, knowing that you are with us, that you've given us this call. Lord, we're commanded in your authority. We're commissioned as your ambassadors. We're courageous because you're with us. God, may we celebrate. May we worship you. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we declare that Jesus Christ is risen and he is Lord. Have your will and way in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.